Say something. I'm waiting for you. You're I'm the man. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> I'm the man, so that means that... What does that mean again? That means you start. I start. Okay. Well, I started by saying, say something. Something. <laughs> okay. Well, how are you, Sana? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well as well. I thank actually you. feel really good today. Good. I don't feel fatigue. I don't have... What, you don't feel what? Fatic? What is that? Like dizzy, tired, muscle ache. Ah. Yeah. yeah. You injured yourself earlier this week. Yeah, and I feel good now. Good. It's still there, but it's not like yesterday and <coughs> the day before. I had a fall in the kitchen <clears throat> and I had a headache and um, it was just numb on the side of the face, right? Where, mm-hmm. where you hit your head. Mm-hmm. But everything, everything heals. Right. So, um, welcome everybody to Bavoshtan. My name is James Newcomb. And I'm Sana. When is your name going to change to Sana Newcomb? I guess after all this nonsense ends and we can <laughs> settle down and take a trip to State Department or somewhere where we can actually get my... Resident card, and there you can change my name. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that works. Probably when you get your resident card, you'll change your name. Yes. Or we'll go to the courthouse and do a name change there. Actually, you want to know something? We can do it here in American Embassy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, we should look into that. Because that's that's just one thing that we'd have to worry about when all all this stuff is finally done. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, anyway, this is Sana Newcomb. That's how we know her. It's not her legal name, but that's her name. Because she's my wife. And you own her. And I own her. <laughs> so You have to put a tattoo on the back of my neck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because that's how things work in our house. Anyhow. I actually want to get a tattoo. Yes, you do want to get a tattoo. And I'm not in favor of it. To be honest with you, I just enjoy telling you I want to get a tattoo. Just but to get my reaction? I, I don't think really want to disturb my skin. Right. But it's just beautiful, you know? <clears throat> it's so tempting. It, I, some of them are, can be tempting. My issue is that people who mutilate their bodies that way, there's, it shows that there's something not right in their head. That's true. According to psychologists or... Any sort of a mm-hmm. um, science proves that when people do things to themselves and right. it hurts, justifying by saying it's an art and blah, 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 um, they right. are not very good in um, portraying or showing their emotion and feelings, so they end mm-hmm. up doing things to themselves. Right. And as a Christian, I believe that th- that is defiling the temple of God. Because our scriptures say that our body is the temple of God. That's right. And so when you uh, 
I mean, a lot of scripture that come during those period of time, you remember people used to have tattoos all over their head, face, body as a oh, ritual yeah. or some sort of thing. Oh, yes. I mean, all the word that came, word of God that came during those periods was really resonating with the situation and the time and that mm-hmm. era. Um, and it's it was put on in a way that God is not happy because God said this is temp and you know but your body is temple of God but actually you look at into science and uh, you know mm-hmm. how our body is uh, formed and shaped uh, really having tattoo doesn't really do good to your skin and the melanin in the skin the cells uh, and stuff like that yes and in the days that the Bible was written it was common even it, there's actually scriptures that prescribe having tattoos on slaves. You would put an awl through uh, your slave's ear uh, that would mark the slave as belonging to you as the property owner. And so there were, uh, in the Old Covenant times, there there were thing tattoos were also prescribed in the scriptures. Um they're not there's no there's no mention of them uh being um part of the culture in the new covenant meaning the new testament after Jesus's days but it's not strictly forbidden either there's no scripture that says thou shalt not uh put a tattoo on your on your foot right but in a very subjective point of view i view it as you you're not satisfied. You think that you need to improve what God has created. Mm-hmm. And so you do that with a tattoo. And in so doing, you dishonor the work of your creator. Mm-hmm. So that, and sometimes when you're young, if you're 19 years old, you get emotionally attached to something like a, a music organization or a drum corps, the military. And then when you're 50, that tattoo is still there and you don't have that emotional attachment to the U.S. Navy that you did when you were 19. It doesn't define your identity as a person anymore. So you have those things are permanent. And I think that there are ways to remove them, but still, do you really remove it? I don't know. They said you can remove it, but it's 10 times more painful than when you put the tattoo on more painful and it's got to leave a scar there's got to be a mark yeah there's going to be a mark as well. where you see there was a tattoo there right. so you it's permanent even with so-called removal it's it is permanent anyhow let's do our new and improved format for the baboshdan podcast the persian pod word of the day brought to you by persianpod101.com and the persian the Persian word of the day for today, September 4th. What are you laughing at? <laughs> September 4th, 2022 is, drumroll please. Ding! Sandal. Sandal. Okay. Yeah. So it's sandals, but it's pronounced sandal. Yeah. How would you... Spell that in English if you were to transcribe it. The same way you write in English. Or transliterate. The same way you write in English. Really? S-A-N-D. Uh-huh. Maybe A-L. Okay. 
Sandal. Sandal. So it's not sandal, it's sandal. Sandal. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, let's get this highlighted so we can put this on the show notes. So we can show our people that we take this podcast seriously. seriously. That's the purpose of show notes is to show <laughs> that you mean business with your, with your podcast. Uh, Evernote is not opening right away. Uh, while I'm doing this, can you tell that joke you know? Uh, we joke. Hmm? Which one? Oh, come on. You know a joke. Oh, you, any joke? Yes. Oh, I thought you thought um, the picture you sent me this morning. <laughs> tell us about that picture. Uh, that when somebody's sleepy and tired, they can put their head anywhere to sleep. Yes, and the picture had this cat sleeping on a, a dog's testicles. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the that was the good news of the day. Mm -hmm. The funny, funny. Oh, I have one more. Okay, let's hear it. What's a fish without an eye? Fish. Oh, you knew that. Yes, you've told that to me many times. Okay. But our audience hasn't heard it. Yeah. So I get to take credit for knowing it. Right. So it's not. It's. Okay, did you hear about the Siamese twins who moved to England? Oh, please. So you have heard about them. Well, since the first day I started talking to you, and then <laughs> we ran out of topic to talk, okay. and we start telling jokes to each other, All right. you always said about Siamese twins. So, okay, so you've heard it. So tell me, why did the Siamese twins move to England? Because the other one could drive. That's right. The other one wanted to drive. <laughs> okay. Let's go to a review of the news. Yeah, let's see what's in it. I hope it's some happy news. All right, here's... That's what I'm talking about here. And this is the problem with the news. Okay? Repetitive? It, it's repetitively extremely negative. Okay, I just... I went to DuckDuckGo.com, typed in news for the search. And here's what came up. I'm just going to read these headlines. And then I'm going to show you something. This is going to blow your mind. One dead, three wounded in a 7-Eleven shooting. Uh, Kalispell man dies in crash. Oh Two God. Fall River men arrested during physical altercation at gas station. Nine migrants die trying to cross river into <laughs> United States. Okay. Northern California's mill fire destroys 100 homes and other buildings. We lost everything. Uh, some Wawa locations in Center City close early due to do dozens of people ransacking convenience stores, police say. Uh... A family tried to save their auction goat from slaughter. Now they're suing police who took it. Oh Eliza Fletcher abduction. Former homicide detective says teacher's disappearance may have been pre-planned. Second East Valley high school senior involved in dump truck crash Tuesday dies Ooh. from injuries. Pilot faces criminal charges whoa, after threatening whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, to intentionally wait, 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 crash honey. into Mississippi Walmart. Wait, wait, this, wait. Is, this is depressing. I know. This is the news. And you know why they do that. Yes. News, just like any other business, need more audience. And people are sucker for bad news. And people like to hear bad news. Yes. And they enjoy. They, are, they, they get entertained. Yes. It, it, it's, it's morbidly entertaining for people. And if more people like start listening to this news, all these channels, you know, pry on their joy and create more bad news. Some of these probably, you know... Does not exist. Who knows? Right. 
Despite being out of office for a year and a half, Donald Trump said weirdo Mark Zuckerberg joined him at the White House for dinner last week. <laughs> With Mr. Joe Biden? Yes. Oh, wow. How could right. they sit right across the table from each other? All right. Uh, all right. So this is, this is what I just typed in the word news. And this, there's got to be 30, so 35. In our world, there is no one single good news. Okay. This is, this is the kicker, honey. This is the kicker. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. You're going to love this. I'm going to type in the word good. And that's it. And then this is on the news section. So you have the like the home and the images and then the news, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm typing the... I'm looking for good news and this is what comes... Wait, up. wait, wait. Before you click, let me give a wild guess. Okay. Probably the very first headline will be that the hole in ozone layer became tighter so human life can survive... One more year. Not quite. No. Okay. It's always about that. First headline <laughs> when I type in the word good on the news section at duckduckgo.com mm. is a threesome ever a good idea in a relationship? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. This is what I saw like five minutes ago. Uh, good morning. Britain presenter Noel Phillips mugged, racially assaulted, and spat on during attack. That's so the good news. This is the thing. It's like you type in the word good, and then you get more bad news. Right. Isn't that something? And it's very funny, because <clears throat> the very first headline is about sex. And right. look what happened in the world. Yeah. People uh, only 12% only, expect trust will be a good prime minister. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. So. Where are the good news? Well, yeah, some some of these aren't uh, overtly bad news. Um, SpaceX Starlink user who took $600 internet dish on Greek sailing vacation says the service was surprisingly good despite outages. So that's not bad. Okay. That's just, it's not really good or bad. It's just there. Copper prices are set to drop another 11%. That would be a good sign for inflation, but a bad omen for the economy. Copper prices are often viewed as a leading indicator of the broader economy and a dependable barometer of economic health. I didn't know that. Copper prices? Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Iran has a lot of copper, so yes. a lot of outsiders have an eye on that too. Yes. It's common when there are um, thefts inside of homes or businesses for um, the people who break in. They'll, they will steal copper wiring mm -hmm. and then they'll sell it. So, yeah, some of uh, the trumpet manufacturers, they'll plate their trumpets in copper. It gives the, it gives the horn a, um, I don't know how you describe it, like a, a dark or a, it, it dampens. I don't know if dampens the right word, but it just gives it a different ring mm -hmm. when it's plated in copper. Right. So it's not common, but some of them are plated in copper. It just has a different ring to it. Different timbre. You know that word timbre? Tambourine? No, timbre. Um, like quality? Yes. That's, uh, timbre relates to uh, sound, the, the quality of it. That's why tambourine is called tambourine. Of course it is. Did you think I didn't know that? Because of the sound. Of course. It's spelled differently, but... That makes sense. 
Timbre is actually spelled T-I-M-B-R-E. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you might think that it's spelled, or it's pronounced timber, but it's actually timbre. Mm-hmm. All right, Sana. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'd be willing to die on that hill? Yeah. Or probably more common is, I'm not willing to die on that hill. Mm-hmm. What does that phrase mean to you? Well, if I really want something badly, mm-hmm. I'll be willing to die on that hill to get to it. You're willing to die on that hill. Okay. Um, the way that I've it's heard it... It's worth it. I mean, yeah, it's worth it for you. To die, yeah. Right. The way that I've heard it most often is... The way that I've heard it most often is if you're really fired up about something, uh, something that you, you want to take, like you want to fight for something, and then somebody asks you, are you willing to die on that hill? And they mean, what they mean is, is it really worth it for mm-hmm. you to fight for this thing? Or do you, do you think that you can just let it go and just, you know, not you don't have to fight it or is it really worth you the effort or the risk to your reputation to fight for this thing mm-hmm. and uh honestly as you grow older the more you realize it's it's really not worth the trouble to fight for something when you're 25 years old uh and your brain is still not fully developed you think, okay, I, I have to, this is vitally important. If, I, if people don't see things this way, the world is going to die. The world is going to stop spinning. And life as we know it is going to go to hell in a handbasket unless this particular thing changes. And it could be a strand of theology. It could be a political ideology. When you're younger, you, you just think that if, thing, if people don't see things your way, the world is going to be in trouble. And the older you get, the more you realize that's kind of a, that's a fallacious way of thinking. Uh, and and you, the, the phrase, the hill that you're willing to die on, well, you just realize there's not that many hills that you're really willing to die on because people are entitled to their opinion and... I've had this disagreement with other people, and wouldn't you know it, the world kept spinning. The world just moved on, even though we had this disagreement. I agree with you. I actually want to share my opinion. Of course, go ahead. I I look at it in other ways. Um, uh, Maybe sometimes people in their life, they have accomplished so much, Mm -hmm. and they reach to the point that uh, nothing can satisfy them it's like a saturation point in their life mm-hmm. if you don't mind i want to share a theory that i sure go really, ahead. um i always use it when i teach to the students it's introduced by abraham maslow have you heard abraham maslow yes yeah so abraham maslow came up with this pyramid hierarchy of needs and he <clears throat> divided it into five stages and it's like when Every individual, as they grow in different age, they fulfill and accomplish each of these needs in their life. They go one step higher, one step higher, uh, and they will reach to the peak of this pyramid. And 
if I'm not wrong, the very first level is physiological need, and then is safety need, esteem need, and <clears throat> security or something, and then it reached to self-actualization. And um, and uh, it's a point where people just look back in their life and they will see how far they came, how much they fulfilled, and there's nothing else to conquer in their life. So, like you said, there is nothing. There is no no hill for them too difficult to too difficult for them to climb, or even die for. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, <clears throat> probably I explain it in that way. Sure. Or maybe you want to add something. Well, the the phrase "hill you're willing to die on" I think is rooted in I I, I just see a, an imagery of the military where you're advancing on a on a on the enemy, and then you're you're on a hill and like you're you're taking a stand i'm gonna this is do or die and if i die then i'm then i fought the good fight and so you have that mental imagery with that phrase and so you're asking yourself um am i willing to risk my my life and my liberty and my sacred honor as the framers of the declaration of independence said they said they they believed so ardently in what they were saying they were so adamant about the injustices that they were experiencing from the british government that they said in the declaration of independence jefferson said it and they all signed it saying we pledge our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor in other words we're willing to die on this hill like we have discussed this, we have debated this, and we just can't live with this. So that, you know, it, the injustices that they experienced, the, you know, they basically the, the British government was telling them how to live their lives from 3,000 miles away. And it took 30 days just to get one ship from, uh, from Britain over to America, and it didn't sit well with them. And so that, for them, was a hill that they were willing to die on. They literally said, we pledge our sacred honor, our reputation. If this thing, if this uh, revolution fizzles out or we lose either, either the military war or the war of ideas, and, you know, the, the, the British are the victors, we're going to get hanged. And they knew it. And... Not only are we going to lose our lives, but our children's lives are going to be forever uh, altered for the for the worse. But they believed so so strongly about what they were saying and what they believed in that they it was a hill they were willing to die on. And as you and I have this podcast, and this is something that I try to instill in the in the minds of people who. Uh, employ us to edit their podcasts, have a hill that you're willing to die on. You know, you, you have something, have a cause that you believe strongly enough to risk your reputation and risk all of the time and money and effort and resources that it takes to put a podcast out. And I firmly believe that if you don't have a hill that you're willing to die on, well, you're going to fizzle out because doing a podcast is hard work. Doing a blog is hard work. And it's not the, the tasks 
associated with it are not difficult. But the just showing up is what's the hardest thing. I think, honey, by observing your work and how you always want to <clears throat> create excellence in your services that you render or we render to our customers is the very first thing is you cannot bring standardization in every each client who asks you to produce um, a podcast uh, for them, for their business. But you try to, you have high adaptability level that you adapt yourself to any different given context they are giving you. Mm -hmm. And that requires a lot of creativity, a lot of innovativeness and authenticity because you want to create an original material or service for each client at the same time you don't want them to be the same mm. but each of them have the same high quality standard that you put into mm. your effort into right. your business into our you know what we cry for basically no oh, that's good I, I i absolutely agree with that and it resonates a lot with me the point that i'm trying to make with this whole dialogue is i see and i've worked with podcasters and i've wit I, i've uh, listened to other podcasts employ us to do their production. And I, I sense just a reluctance on the part of a great deal of podcasters to have a cause or an ideology or whatever the case may be, to, to have a hill that they're willing to die on. Uh, I, many podcasts, you listen to them and they're just, they're, they're basically Xeroxed copies of the of the talking head or the the influencer that they listen to and you just hear a lot of repetition in the messages you don't hear a whole lot of original content uh with with the stuff that is being put out uh and and it's to the detriment of not just those individual shows but the podcasting craft in general now when someone when you have a show or you have any any type of public platform, I really believe that you have to have something that is eating at you, something that's just burning a hole inside of your heart. And it says, and you say, this has to get out. And this might be unpopular. And you know that this is going to upset people. This is going to get people riled up. It's going to be a point of polarization within your niche or your market. But you believe so strongly that this is right. This is the truth. And it, I have to say it. Like, I can't not say it. That is a hill that you're willing to die on. You're, you're will, you know that you're going to suffer a little bit with your reputation. People are going to speak about you behind your back. And it's not going to be favorable what they're saying. Uh, but you know it has to be said either way. That is a hill that you're willing to die on. So, and everybody has one. But our culture is such that we are scared to death of saying what's really on our mind for fear of being labeled as an extremist or intolerant or all, all of these um, labels that are put on uh, so-called dissenting voices by the media. I mean, I think I, I, just very recently I heard that Joe Biden's press secretary said something along the lines of, and I don't have the quote in front of me, 
but the, the press secretary said something along the lines of, if you have a view that is not in line with uh, the majority of Americans, you're an extremist. And it's just, how, what does that even mean? The, the word extremist doesn't even have any meaning anymore when you use it in that context. And this is the press secretary of the United States, uh, of the president of the United States of America, saying, if you have a view that is not held by the majority of Americans, you're an extremist. Well, what does that even mean? It just means that you have a view that's unconventional. No, that means we are land of the free, but there is no freedom on speech. <laughs> yeah. We give you the freedom of speech, but there are a lot of rules you have to follow. Well, Joe Biden didn't give us the freedom of speech, I'll tell you that. Uh, the Constitution that was written in uh, 1787 and finally ratified by a majority of the states in 1791 that and that doesn't that doesn't give us the freedom of speech as americans god gives us the freedom of speech the constitution in the first amendment of the bill of rights guarantees that the government cannot uh, impinge upon our freedom of speech and that's one of the things that for all of its faults which are numerous and growing by the day still make the United States of America a special place to live. And, it, and to, up to this point, it's why it's still worth uh, for, for me to go through all this trouble of getting a visa for my wife to live there. Because it's still, in spite of all of the negativity that we've encountered and all of the negative emotions and energy that we've endured with this visa process, it's still... Here in 2022, I'm saying this, and it could change tw 10 years from now. It could be a very different place, but it's still a very special place to live and be because of these actions that were taken 200 and almost 250 years ago by people who are wiser than anybody currently in the United States government. I'll just leave it at that. So because of their foresight and their wisdom, we are we are the the beneficiaries of of people like that who had a hill that they were willing to die on and fought tooth and nail for those certain liberties so we used the founders of america as kind of a case study of this idea of having a hill to that you're willing to die on but the big thing that i want to share with all of y'all listening in is you have something that you know is, or let me say it this way, you know that the consensus has got it wrong. You know that the what is conventional is not right. And it could be, it doesn't have to be anything that I would say is important to me personally. You have your own hill that you're willing to die on. Something that is just rubbing you wrong. Uh, and you have a different market than what would that what Sano and I would find interesting. It could be that you have a, a, a platform or a or a niche that we're not interested in. Like we wouldn't give two rats asses about whatever is important to you. And that's just the nature of the beast. That's just 
that's just part of being in the human experience. What's important to you may not necessarily be important to us, but that, that doesn't make it unimportant. It's important to you, and it's, it's probably important to people in your community. And they're waiting for someone to just say what people know needs to be said. And people are reluctant to say this one thing because they fear that they're going to lose their job or they're going to lose their reputation or their ability to get another job. And their fears are not unfounded. But you just come to a point where you say enough is enough. I don't know what's going to happen with this, but I have to say this. And that is a hill that you're willing to die on. And that is uh, really, I think that's the big point that I wanted to bring out in this podcast is, you know it, and go and do it. And the good news is that you're probably not going to die. <laughs> like, the, think of the worst possible scenario that could happen from doing this thing, like taking this action or saying that unconventional view. The, what is the absolute worst that could possibly happen? It's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. So take heart in that and go out there and just say what you know to be true. Well said. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so what is one hill that you're willing to die on? Mm. I think at this point is to unite with my stepson because it's long overdue. Okay. And I can feel he desperately wants to sit beside me, play games, do things, share with me things that she li he likes to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And if there is a chance, I will die, <laughs> I will die on that hill to get that chance. I think pretty much for now, it's, for both of us, should be the same. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, there are hills that I'm willing to die on when it comes to my son, my, my biological son. Mm -hmm. um, we could go into detail, but we'll, it, it remains private between Sana and me. But yes, absolutely, that is a hill that... At this point, let's Oh, say. yeah. Well, at this point and in the past and in the future, your children, your children are your legacy. And so that's definitely a, a hill that we should be willing to die on. I'll share one that I am willing to die on, and it doesn't have as much to do with uh, Gabriel per se, although it does affect him indirectly. But something that I'm willing to risk my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor is this absolute absence of artistry in the world. Uh, even art itself has been corrupted to the point where it's just meaningless. It's superfluous. It, it, it serves no purpose. Um, television, the movies... They're all so lame. And we can go on, even education today. Education. It's, it's just, it's meaningless. It's pointless. And, and I think about my son, Gabriel, who's eight years old. He's going through the public school system. And uh, I just think we could do so much better for him. Mm -hmm. There's so many, there's so much more that we can offer that kid. But uh, I, I don't want to put this focus on education itself, but just 
artists are cutting corners with their work. They think, well, all, all that I really need is a 12 second clip on TikTok. So that's, I'm just going to focus on that. And uh, the net result is that you, you lose a lot of the virtue that makes a virtuoso. Uh, the virtuosos are studying in the conservatories and they don't know why. They're just learning to do things by rote. They're learning their scales and learning how to do things technically superbly. They're technically brilliant, but they don't understand the context of why they're doing it. That's something that would get me in trouble in certain circles. Saying that on my podcast, that will, that will alienate people from me. That will make people not want to listen to what I have to say. But it will also endear other people to me. And quite frankly, those are the people that I want listening to me in the first place. I don't want people that don't resonate with me personally. I want people who listen to what I say and listen to me stand on that hill and stick my neck out and say, here, chop it off, figuratively speaking. The, the people that say, I admire this man for doing this, I want those people listening to me in the first place. I don't want people to say, this guy's a kook. Well, I'm not saying it for them. I'm saying it for me. And I'm saying it for the benefit of people who, who can identify with what I have to say. And with that, we're we, going to end this show. We interrupt this pregnant pause to say thank you for listening. You are listening to the Bavosh Don podcast with James Newcomb and Sana Newcomb. And we are glad that you have taken a bit of time to press play on this episode and you've stuck it out all the way to the very end. We do appreciate it. And you can get caught up on previous episodes and subscribe to listen on your favorite podcast platform at voshdan.com. V-O-J-D-A-A-N.com. Voshdan.com. And we will be in your earballs very soon. Thank you.